Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week. Put my hands up now. I'm, I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Teams don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB's The Hurling Pod with James Skell and Paul Murphy. People of Galway, we love you! I don't want to leave the people of Warford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Warford are my life, you know, and I, 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 love, I, love, I love my county, you know. We love John Milan. It's almost like they're afraid to kind of mm. go and hurl and just let themselves express themselves it's like as if they're nearly afraid to make a mistake and sometimes you have to make a mistake and just throw off that bit of nervousness and have a go yeah it's pure constipated hurling Skell you can respond to TV Street who uh, seems to have really enjoyed Hmm. the fact that he got three horseshits out of you (laughs) uh, that was the the PC response uh, uh, as PC as you get probably Uh, it wasn't a knockout game was his response in the YouTube video and he was laughing in the live chat I think as the video premiered at 10 o'clock last Monday as well it still meant an awful lot to Limerick to win their first uh, Mick Mackey Cup because it was the first ever time the actual cup was presented of course the Celtic Cross medal supersedes everything else but I got a triple horseshit out of Skell and I wasn't even trying Great success is how TV Street has taken it. What's that? What's that word they use nowadays? Triggered? Yeah. <laughs> was I was I slightly triggered? A little bit. You were, you were pretty triggered. Like I, I didn't think it was. Yeah. The, the funny part is I didn't think it was actually that crazy a statement that he was making. I don't think he was saying like you know yeah the All Ireland doesn't matter. I think the point he was trying to make was Clare were up there with Limerick in a game that mattered an awful lot to them. Yeah. And that was the reading from it. And you were like, horseshit, horseshit, horseshit. What you're, saying, what you're saying, Will, like, it was a very reasonable statement and he just got an unreasonable reaction. Yeah, that's basically what happened there. Your, your words, not mine, Mr. Murphy. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the power of perception. I don't think schedule, that's what they call it. I, well, that, that I am not, anyway. I perceive that comment way differently. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. People make these statements every now and then and they're so outlandish to my brain. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, not what is he after saying? <laughs> I would categorise that one there. Well, we'll get to our voice note in a few minutes and we can see where we are in that. Um, Patrick Coleman, who is uh, a long-time watcher and uh, listener to the pod, said, despite all Limerick's dominance in the three games so far, Murph, they lost the first game to Cork, uh, losing a good lead, only won by six against a not uh, fully uh, top player, Clare, and then by five against a week in Galway. Are Limerick really that far ahead of everyone else, Murph? Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do I need to elaborate on that? <laughs> in, in show, in show. That's yeah. next. Well, like, <laughs> next. Again, we, we, we probably covered it in the first pod, but against Watford, or not Watford, Cork, uh, did Limerick have four weeks work as a as a group together? There was lads come back from travelling, probably only had about two two weeks training, three weeks training. Yeah. Um, what I've seen from Limerick so far is they are in third gear at the moment. That's not them insulting other teams. That's them just cutting their cloth to measure. They're just going out there, winning games, doing what they need to do. If a team gets them in an arm's touching distance, they push them back again and just keep the scoreboard going. They're like, yeah, they are. At the moment, they are. But that's not to say, I don't believe at all it's a foregone conclusion what's happening. They are the top dogs. They're out in front. But that just means that there's a bullseye on them. There's teams that are going to come at them left, right and centre. Like you look at Limerick's game through the championship, Week on week, they'll be the most entertaining games because they'll just have kamikazes coming at them like of teams trying to turn them over and kickstart their year. So that's why Limerick's games, not only do they play a great brand of hurling, but that's what they're going to get. And they're going to have to sustain that right up to the Ireland final. Other teams invariably will have games that are just flops, you know, because whatever's going on in the background. But no one will miss the Limerick game. No one will 
fail to turn up. They'll all have a go at it for 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever. But they are. They're out in front and they can afford... If you can win an All-Ireland without Keane Lynch or, you know what I mean, like without Peter Casey and these lads, you have a savage panel. You have savage confidence. I mean, I, I'm just going to stop there because it's just... They are. Yeah. They're miles out in front, yeah. Is that the only way to beat them, Murph? Is to somehow get into a situation where you come out with manic intensity, as Paul O'Connell would say, <laughs> and just get to a higher pitch than they are in a game and beat them? Is that the only way to beat them? What I think you have to do is you have to get out and hit them so hard, which in itself, I nearly stopped there and said, that's a very hard thing to do to this Liberty team because physically, mentally and everything, they're, they're such a strong team. Get them punch drunk, like actually hit them so hard for the first 20 minutes. And I think Watford almost did it back in 20. Uh, one was it when the water break was still in and the first 15 minutes in the semi-final they actually went at them and the water break killed it it was just this break that took the took the stem or send the tide for them but yeah you have to go out and get them punched from but I mean I was looking at Galway last week and where what, what it, it's a very hard thing to describe it's an easy thing to say but it's a hard thing to do uh, and it was only thinking back comparing to them what we did in 2019 but I even think they've evolved since then anyway but it's kind of a case. You have to tell your team, right? First of all, physically, when they have the ball, you have to go out and hit them hard. You want to sit back, but also, once you smell blood, push up as hard as you can on them, but do it as a unit, which that in itself is a very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because I look back, when I look back at our game in 2019, there was times where we sat back really well, won the ball, our half forwards came back and won it. We drove forward. But there was also times when, and I think one ball where we turned over Tom Morrissey, Tom Morrissey got the ball and four lads swarmed him. And they just said, well, if the if he does manage to get the ball out of here, Limerick are on the attack. So there's absolutely no way he can get the ball out. And there was that mentality of the, the team completely understood what you're doing. So for any team to beat Limerick at the moment, you have to bring something that's absolutely incredibly ferocious in terms of intensity. Do it from the start. Make Limerick doubt, again, I say, which could be a very hard thing to do, doubt that they can actually win this game. Rack up a score of possibly being ahead by seven or eight points in the first 20 minutes. You have to do it. Like, but we even saw against Limerick in, or against Tipperary in the Munster final a few years ago, you can be up by 10 points at halftime and Limerick can beat you. So, like, it's an enormous, it's an enormous task at the moment. Murph, if you get that far ahead, Murph, play the lottery. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> if, you mean, do, if you check all the inboxes, play the lottery. Because <laughs> you're looking in. <laughs> but this is it, you know, as in, it, but there's no point in, there's no point in, you know, sugarcoating it. Like, it's, it, mm. like, for anything that does beat them, It'll be, an, it'll be in a mammoth task and that's what you're going to see is this performance which I don't think anybody will have forecast for seeing coming and that'll be part of it it's nearly going, almost has to be an ambush at this stage it has to be but, but do you not think as well Murph, like, there's a question in a sustainability do you know like they're, they're so finely conditioned that if you do hit them get them punched out like you said hmm. and go at them they're going to come back at you <laughs> going to come back at you how do you, how do you sustain it but sure, it's it's the thing when we bet in 2019, lads were saying, oh, sure, if they had another five minutes, they would have bet us. And we were, sure, our argument was, hey, there isn't another five minutes. We bet them in yeah. enough time. But that was just enough. That was just pulling, that was just getting over the line, falling over the line, everything yeah. kind of going right for you, balls breaking, all these different things. So, like, you do need lots of stuff. You need an enormous amount of stuff. But they're the, they're the standard bearers at the moment. It's like asking, how do you beat Dublin, as Dublin were on their way to the six yeah. in a row, about yeah. three years in, how do you beat them? Well, this is how you beat them. It's hard to see it at the moment this year how teams are going to do it, but that will, you know, that gap will close and people will do it. Will it be this year? Who knows? Will it be in the next two years? Who knows? Like, but that's what we're going to have to see teams step up to do is completely match them and but, out, outdo them. Like, but you're just, going to have to as well. Like, I, I would always be a big advocate of focusing on yourself. You know, 
Yeah. The Limerick is the type of opposition. So if, if, if Galway were playing any other county, I mean this hand in heart, if Galway focused on Galway, I'd be confident we'd take them down, you know? Mm. But with Limerick, I just think you have to analyse them so well and have, yeah. your, have your game, I won't say tailored, but at least adapted a bit yeah, yeah. against them. Like you have to, you can't let Barry Nash get the ball. You can't let Declan Hallen come up the pitch. You can't get Hegarty win. You know? And mm. when you piece all that together, it's a mammoth task. It is. And like you can't, if, if, if you think, like one thing I would say is the, is the rock that teams will die on is where you see people reference Limerick and say, oh, other teams have to do that. If you try and replicate Limerick, you'll never beat them. So you have they're ahead of you. They're, they're, they're moving target. Yeah. They're five years into their system. They're five years into it. And plus as well, they're the best at their system. So you try and copy their system, they'll just okay. beat you at their system. So yeah. you actually have to develop a new game or a game plan. Not even a full new game plan. But, for example, a team might go, lads, we're not delivering balls into the full forward line. We're going to come right out our full forward line. We're going to go for points. We're not going to go for goals. And have them go, right, what do we do with Barry Nash now and Sean Finn? Do we let them come out, which they're more than capable of doing? But it's just a curveball like that whereby you're now not playing by the rules anymore. You're also not playing Limerick's game plan because you're not going to beat them at that. You're just going to go throw the rule book out the window and go, right, for one game, let's try and ambush them. Let's try and play. But it's, it's, it's a crazy task at the moment. It's a huge yeah. task. Mm. Scala, on a very related point, Connor McMahon was in contact on YouTube. Limerick have conceded something like 11 goals in their last 12 knockout championship games. There's not something like, he clearly knows that stat. But anyway, <laughs> uh, why don't other counties target scoring more goals against them when clearly outscoring them has proven very difficult, which comes off very nicely on the back of Murph's point. Uh, Colin McCarthy, who is a Limerick fan, uh, was in contact in the replies. And he said, much easier said than done, to be fair. And also Limerick are the kings of the strategic... Uh, in brackets, cynical foul, 30 to 40 yards out from goal. Not too many players get in near goal against Limerick. And that's a very fair point. It's hard to think of too many, say, chances the teams have had against Limerick where they're one-on-one with Quaid. Generally, you have to take your chances when they come against Limerick if you're going to get goals. They're not a team that cough up that many clear chances. Well, two things. Number one is they're, I think they're fabulous on the high ball as a collective in, in the, the full, back, full back line. So Finn, English, Morrissey, Nash, they're all excellent at the ball. It's rare. Like one image stands over my head last year was Sean Finn got the ball over Conor Coney's head. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. In the dying moment. In the dying moment. Like, so that's one method of getting the ball in there nearly declined. They're also the best team at exiting their own defence and the best team at stopping run, runners coming through their half back line. So like if you were... If you have that right, and then we all we all have we all know what they're like at midfield and half forward line in terms of their work rate, the power ball they play. So that zone is is chocker blocked day and night with, with Limerick. So when you add up all those together, things is very hard. It's very hard to get through them, you know. So like it's very hard to deliver the ball, uh, let's say from deep because you've got the bodies in front of you. Very hard to run through them because they've always got cover. And how many times have we seen it? In the ball gets delivered in long. Declan Hannon is the first man there to take a receiving pass off an Ash or off a Finn. Just, mm-hmm. like, it goes back to Murphy's point. They're five years into a system and they've been fine-tuned. And defensively, they're excellent. They are excellent. Like, And yes, they conceded a couple of goals. Fair enough. But I think they probably look at that and say it's not a major concern, if, if you know what I mean, because they're topping off teams with 35 points. Mm-hmm. They're on 50 shots. Like they, and they use... I, I, I honestly don't think teams actually focus enough on... I'm going into a different point now, Will. On puck house, on the puck house, right? So every team when you're training, they're always practicing all switch work. Let's say in open play and situation play, but like the puck house, Limerick are the first team in my memory anyway that I've looked at the opposition puck house and say, "This is a chance for us to take it off you." you no, know, you have the ball now. Now we're going to give it back to us because we're going to get to ground, outwork you, and then build our attacks off opposition ball. I've, I've been, I'm going to do it the next game in, in the next championship game with Limerick. 
when the opposition have their puck out, what do Limerick actually score off the opposition puck out? I, rec- I, I think they could average, it's something like probably eight or nine, at least ten points, you know. And that's kind of, how, how do you put it? Limerick are so fine-tuned that even when they don't have the bloody ball, <laughs> they're using it against you. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the return of Scal's notebook is what I'm looking for. I am. Here. It's right here. And she's, she's ready to be, And it's a new one. It's brand oh, new. Jesus, it's lovely. Yeah. And it's actually from Lyra to Stage, which would be more. <laughs> I tell you, I knew you didn't buy it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. Why did I mention Lyra? And you know about this as well. I'm not sure you yeah. meant to take them with you, but go on. Yeah, he's uh, the Bible there as well. He took that with him, but go on. Yeah. I have to say, the nicest meal I've ever had was in the Lyric. So there's this thing called the tomahawk. You know this, right? It's 1.1 kilos of beef. <laughs> steak, right? So when I ordered it off you one, the waitress, she goes to me, that's for two people, you know. And my wife had ordered first. <laughs> so she knew it was just for me. <laughs> and when they came out of it, the looks I got around the place, like, oh, this yoke was massive. I think they weren't four- looking at the steak, they were looking at you, Scott. You yeah, know? 40, <laughs> I think it was, am I right in saying it's either 40 ounces or 48 ounces? Jesus. How much yeah. did he leave behind? Yeah, we did okay. get a picture. In fairness, now, we said, we'll have to explain. We'll probably use the picture scale if your uh, wife allows us to use her copyrighted material here. 100%. Yeah. 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 yeah, and that was me 20 minutes in. And Grace restrained out of you. Was it, what do you mean it was you 20 minutes in? He'd like, already middle, half it. I was 20 minutes into it, like. That was half the steak. Jesus. Like, I was 20 minutes into the middle, and i tell you one thing. I thought the, that was the full thing. That's enormous. Right. Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> I just so, said I could take a break. <laughs> so can I? So uh, it was expected that you did actually horse into it, and then said, "Actually, take a picture of me there now." That you, you don't actually have the restraint to go right. There's a lovely steak in front of me. Let's get a picture here now. You well, know, two, twenty minutes of damage to that. I, I didn't take the picture. My wife took her. She goes, "I have to. I have to document this. This isn't even right." <laughs> took me forty-five minutes to eat it, but you did. Cleaned it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no problem. And he uncommissioned now from the lawyer to get a free steak next. I, I didn't time. imagine brand ambassador. My loving wife, then she goes, no point being a peak unless you're short. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> and what did she pick for? Uh, like, obviously, she had to sit for quite a bit of that meal watching you just chew down steak. What did she get? <laughs> yeah, so she, she chose the salmon and the gas thing about it is, or Seabass, sorry, the gas thing about it is, it's the first time, hand and heart, that she's been finished before me. Like, ever. E- eating. I'm always there twiddling my thumbs waiting for her to finish up her food. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, so credit where credit is due. Like I think she deserves to be able to watch Love Island for the next two weeks, given the yeah. US 45 minutes of steak in front of her. Yeah. And then she's a proper media night. <laughs> that too. Off the beaten track entirely, but Jim Sorry. McCarthy was making a comment on the Kerry team. And I did think this watching Kerry and Offaly the week before. He says, watch all the Kerry games so far. Can't get over how defensive and deep we play. So, so frustrating. Why don't we back our players and push up the field? Even when we have an extra man, we don't do this. This is something that came up and, and caught to me. I know you guys didn't see the game, but uh, basically Steve Malumphy had a setup where they played with an extra sweeper when they didn't have the wind, which was perfectly understandable because Offaly were dropping the ball down quite deep. Mm. And then in the second half, when Kerry hit a gale behind them, Kerry actually sat quite defensively. And it was a really weird setup because they were running the ball quite a bit. So you could see where the tactic was coming from. But sometimes when you have the elements in your favour as much as they did, it will be very frustrating for the home crowd when they're chasing the game that they don't push a few players further forward. I think at one stage when there was a, literally a gale wind behind them, Kerry only had two or three players in the awfully half and were trying to go short every time, Jeez. which was inviting mm-hmm. tackles onto them. So I do appreciate what they're trying to do. And I'd say this is a longer term plan to maybe you know develop a style of hurling. But sometimes I think, lads, you've got to throw it out the window if you've got the opportunity to get an extra 10 or 15 yards in each ball you puck out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, it's it's a tough one to call, and probably in the heat of battle, maybe um, Kerry kind of looked at it and said, "No, we're going to stick to our guns, maybe, and this is what we're doing, and we're trying to implement it." And when it transpires on the pitch, then that it actually turns into be quite frustrating, and particularly for the crowd, that it's not translating really on the scoreboard. You can see, and this is the dilemma teams get into sometimes as well, where. You know, you're trying to detach yourself from the crowd. You know, you're trying to implement your game. And I've seen it in Kilkenny over many years now where Kilkenny are transitioning to a different type of game and coming with the times. And, you know, you don't just turn that on overnight. And you have games where teams are like, why are you doing the short puck out? And I've heard that so many times in Kilkenny that Kilkenny don't play a short puck out. Look, Kilkenny don't play a short puck out. You know, you might as well just resign yourself to the fact that they're going to fall into the middle of the pack in Hurling and not progress. So for Kerry... I would I understand with both sides and I do agree with you. Will. Sometimes you just have to go, right, lads, we're going out here and we're just going to hurl. And that doesn't undermine our game whatsoever going forward. But this game just dictates that we should go out and go at them, lads, because we're chasing a lead here. Uh, and sometimes it's very frustrating as a team. But I also understand the other side of it where, you know, maybe Stephen Malumphy is building this kind of game plan where regardless with the wind or against the wind, this is the type of play we hurl. And a win shouldn't affect how we hurl. We should just be able to play away. So I can understand the frustration for a Kerry supporter that when you go down and you see that at the weekend, your one takeaway is that we're not playing a brand of hurling. But I maybe lean towards the, the, the side here of trust the process, just trust the process. Because what, what I do see with teams at the moment is actually, believe it or not, with the way the game has gone, when you're carrying the ball out of defence, you actually hurl better against the wind. Because when you have a wind in your back, it's almost like a fella pushing you in the back to take a shot, take a shot. And as soon as you get to midfield, you're nearly going taking shots. And that's our player on balls wide and you step away from the game plan of carrying it into the shootable position. So lots of teams actually hurl really well now against the wind, which isn't traditional, because when you have the wind in your face, you look for the player out the pitch. When you strike the ball, the ball actually holds up for that player. You, you don't strike it over his head because there's no wind supporting that ball to carry it away from you. So teams actually hurl quite well against the wind now because they're not looking to blow the ball 100 yards up the pitch and the wind holds it up. So I I, I would understand the mentality of Stephen Malumphy and his management that they're kind of going, no, that's, this is the way we're playing. And unfortunately, it didn't translate for them at the weekend. But you can expect blowback from, from supporters then when you're kind of in this no, man, no man's land of implementing this game plan. You go out a day, it doesn't work out for you. The scoreboard doesn't look great. And now you don't have a whole lot of support from the stands. So it's it's a it's a rock and a hard place. But what I would say to the supporters there is look, just trust the process because Kerry are headed in a good direction. Like they're they've, they've gotten some really good results. They're playing a good brand of hurling. And you know, on the pod, we're talking about individual players from Kerry each week, you know. So well, you know, most weeks we are pointing out good performances. So I'd be inclined from experience to say, you know, just trust the process here. And but that's withstanding will I do agree with you every so often if it's for the sake of 35 minutes trot shackles and go back to basics and see what happens yeah Kerry won't response they go to Kildare Newbridge on Saturday Kildare currently top of 2A in scoring difference um, so that's a huge huge game for both teams and Kerry uh, want to get a response after losing to Offaly the last day even in dramatic circumstances well if Kildare win they'll be in a very strong position to go to the final and Offaly play against Carlo Carlo on the back of a good result against Down so again if Offaly were to win you're probably looking at Offaly versus the winners of Kildare and Kerry in the final in a few weeks time so they're very important games in Division 2A Skell I'll ask you about the um, tip Tipperary situation. Do you think Tipperary will finish in the top three in Munster this season? Coming in from Bob Noonan. Ooh, God, Bob. Let's go process of elimination. Don't, don't, make it, don't make it easy anyway, Bob. That is good. That is good. Bye, yeah. Bob. Bye. So, obviously, obviously Limerick are going to come a bit over the hand. 
Um, at present, I would probably be placing a Claire at number two. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just for, for months from now. I, I, yeah. I just yeah. were clear. And then I had to try. God, it's a tough one. Cork, tip. What? Oh, Jeez. I didn't expect Cork now not to be second, but go on. No. Yeah. I'm not going to cut across you. Keep going. Yeah. Um, geez, we'll tip at the top three. Like, I, I don't get me wrong, there's positives around everything they're doing. I just think when, when it comes into the Munster, like, they're probably just, that group is probably a touch behind, if you know what I mean, in terms of trying to implement Cahill's game plan and, you know, introduction new players, etc. That just Claire and Limerick are more progressed and, and as are Cork. So I'd have to answer, I'd have to answer no. They're not the top three. Murph? No, I don't think so either. Um, you know, I do think they're doing good things at the moment. Um, I think if, if if anyone leaves a minute in a game in Munster, I think that you know, I think they'll maximise what they have on the pitch and they'll get a they, they, you know, they might get a few good results. But you know there is teams putting the hand up. Like at the moment, it'd be Limerick, Cork, and Clare for me. I would see is the three. Like I do think Clare are going to come good again, and because Watford haven't really given me anything to look at to go oh actually like this thing last year we were talking about Watford they were playing this such aggressive brand of hurling and it looked inevitable that these boys are going to be in the monster final and at the moment I just don't know where they're headed yet so I can't say that I see them in the top three Tipperary again with the injuries trying to sustain around Robin I don't see them week on week getting the results they need to go to get being in the top three and I just think Claire bringing back, you know, I even think we see like Shane O'Donnell coming back. That's another, you know, serious danger man up forward there for Claire. I think they've learned a lot from last year and I think they'd be looking forward to another Munster campaign and maybe getting back to Central State into a Munster final. So that'll be my three in that order at the moment to be Limerick, Cork and Clare. Last shout then, because I could not include this, where William Coleman got in contact again, sent us a message last week. Uh, we talked about it a bit, and then he sent a follow-up uh, voice note, which I sent to you guys a bit earlier on, and I'll insert it now into the podcast so people can hear it. Uh, so this is what William Coleman uh, had to say, just explaining in a bit more detail uh, his plan about the championship restructure that he had in mind. So here you go. The league currently takes, I think, I think it's five group games, a semi-final, a final, which is seven rounds. So I was proposing to replace that with a Leinster Championship and a Monster Championship at the same time in the calendar and play it over seven rounds max. So you could play your Monster Championship with all six teams in it, uh, maybe the top team to the final and second and third playoff in the semi-final to make a Monster Final. Uh, and then in Leinster you could do maybe even two groups of five, depending on how many teams you want to bring into it. Uh, and have again top two in each group making semi-finals and playing down to a final uh, you could reintroduce the Ulster Championship and uh, have the winner of that coming out to play alternative years against the Munster and Leinster champions those two spots would be preliminary quarterfinals then instead of the Joe McDonough winner a winner and runner-up um, so if you didn't get out of your groups of two groups of six later on in, in, the, in the main championship that you already have qualified uh, for preliminary quarter this way so uh, take Tipperary for instance my own county if we didn't get into the top three in the two groups of six that we'd have this in our back pocket to have a preliminary quarter final and get back into the championship that way and push on I think it just gives the competitions at the current time where the league has played a bit more of bite a carrot there to get through and you might get even you'd have, you'd have four teams coming out you could possibly have eight teams 
the winners of Munster and Leinster plus the three and three out of the two groups coming through. So you real quality coming into the the quarter, preliminary quarter final stage and the and the quarter finals and so on. Um, and as I said, you could you could even bring back in Ulster and uh, let them have the, the opportunity to play for those spots as well and connect in time if they could get the counties uh, up in standard um, and they could play off against Munster and Leinster each year. So um, I just think. Uh, given that carrot of the, the prize would, would make it work and the two groups of six in the championship would be great uh, you'd have different teams playing different teams every year not the same teams playing, playing the same teams every year and a bit of a buzz around it and uh, you see typically Kenny and Galway Watford in the group stages and uh, just something a bit different really So the crux of that scale really would be that just confirms what we were wondering last week which is that the provincial championships would go into the time space where the league is currently played mm-hmm. over effectively seven weeks, two months as things stand. Now, again, whether we want to take out the breaks or look at the window around the league, that's its own matter. But the provincials would fit into that space. And then what you would have is the provincial champions in the Munster and Leinster championships would then be guaranteed a preliminary quarterfinals. That would be the incentive to win it beyond lifting the provincial cups in their own right. And then you would redraw a championship of the senior counties after that who would play in, I'm not going to call it Champions League. You used the phrase Champions League format last week, but I think it's uh, better to call it two pools effectively. And then the top three from then would go through to the All-Ireland Championship proper. Now, there's the added incentive that William has put in there about the idea of reforming an Ulster Championship or a Connacht Championship and maybe having another couple of spots for the preliminary. I think that's him future-proofing this idea a little bit. But if we were to take the... Take Connor the proposals. Go on, Scal. Connor, Connor Championship. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're don't, well, I don't the, I don't we're well Connor, in the future there now as we are. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't think the Connor Championship will happen. And even I think the Ulster Championship might be a bit of a stretch. But I think the idea would be that there is a way that those Ulster and Connor Championships could be played early in the year. And then if they were there, you could perhaps create another spot in the last eight for the winners of those two championships. But if we were to take it, just as leave Ulster and Connacht to one side for the moment, because that's kind of an add-on idea, that you would have a provincial, two of the teams would be guaranteed, the two winners, a place in the last six in the country. And then you would have effectively two groups where, say, three teams were to come out of the two groups. Mm-hmm. And because that would be an open draw each season, you would end up with a championship that would have fresh fixtures, is basically the crux of it here. So, so basically, we're you, st- you still have a league. Like the league is gone, effectively. The national league will be gone. Yeah, yeah, but it's the same kind of principle to a degree. Yeah, championship Open. would effectively be the national league. I, yeah. I think it's Open. almost like reversing the season to a certain extent. But yeah, Open draw away you go. Yeah. So every team then is really guaranteed five or five games. Is it? Well, you'd be guaranteed at least one in the provincial, and you'd be guaranteed. Yeah, you'd be in pools of six in the championship, so you'd be guaranteed five games. Yeah. You see, again, like it's very hard to assess the viability of it at the moment because obviously it's just it's an idea, but like like that now it's it's something that I I feel can be tried, and like if it, if it's a failure or a failure is a strong word, but if it's not successful, you know we can change again or revert back to to, to type. But like I have no issue with with, with trying something. Well, I I have the issue is is where people don't want to try anything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They want to leave it alone and just put their do the ostrich and put their head in the sand as if everything's perfect. You know, um, but. I look the idea sounds good there's a bit of, probably there's, there's pros and cons to it all they haven't quite been developed out fully but yeah I'd like I'd be, going for, I'd be going for something like that like I did call for Champions League style 
That sounds like a Champions League style, close enough to it, if you know what I mean. That scares um, GA people, by the way. When they hear Champions League style, they go, oh, oh we're taking in the yeah. idea from elsewhere. Even if I was to say to you, that's more like the old Champions Cup, and they'd be like, oh, rugby, not sure about yeah. this. Well, if you said to them, oh, no, we're going to put in pools, and there'll be teams coming out, they go, oh, yeah, that sounds a bit like what we're doing before. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. So you're trying to trick them a small bit, yeah. <laughs> what you're doing, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had no issue. Like, what do, you, what do you reckon? Like, what's... I think innovation is good. You go first. And I'll I don't think if you're, if you're not being innovative, if you're not progressing, you're, you're stagnant. That's the way it looks. Yeah, completely. Um, if if uh, see, it's tough. Like the GA traditionally will only implement very small changes and, and try and you know they're not going to overhaul the whole thing. But to, to implement something like this, you would have to overhaul the whole thing in order for it to work. Um, and like that, yeah, I, I'd be I'd be completely open. If 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 the plan on paper looks as if we get a more jam-packed year of really good matches, and as simple as that, it's a complex plan. But if the end result is we from start to finish have a more concentrated year of really good matches, I think that's the best end result you can have. Call it what you want then after that. And I do agree with you, Will. You're gonna to have to call it names that will uh in your business plan that do- doesn't reflect any other sport because traditionally that gets shot down. So call it whatever you want to call it, but don't reference nearly other sports when you're doing it. Um, but no, I, I, I do believe, like my, my whole thing around this would be that if there is a period of the year where matches um, aren't being treated massively serious, well then maybe we have room for improvement here. And then you have to look at if the improvement comes, does it have to be a complete overhaul? If we just do... 50% kind of, uh, okay, let's take a chunk here and let's train it. The system probably doesn't work then. Like the way it's been explained there, it's a whole system overhaul. And like that, as Gail said, if just do it. Just do it, see how it works. At the end of the day, you're still going to have an All-Ireland champion and the cream of the crop should regardless come uh, come to the top in that regard anyway. So your the end result shouldn't vary at all, really, if the process is good. So I would say, yeah, if we're getting better matches, why not go for it? Why not try it over two two year? And I think for the GA, it's usually generally a three year period where they go, we'll go on this three year period and that's it and see how it works after that. But, you know, when you're explaining that, I'd say you have to say to everyone, look, in order for this to work and for us to get the product that we want, we have to do a full overhaul. We can't just pay lip service and, and, and overhaul one part of it because that's just tinkering with the system and we're not getting the product we want at the end. So I, yeah, I'd be all for, like Skelet was saying there, just go for it, do it if that's what you want to do. See, what I like about it is you got to get the provincial councils over the line if this is going to be voted in. So if you come up with a system, no matter how brilliant it might be, and you say the provincials are being taken away, provincial councils and the substantial amount of votes they have a Congress won't allow it to happen. Mm. So you have to keep the provincials. So obviously this keeps the provincials in a, yeah. a slightly different time zone, but it's still there. I think the only one question that will come up will be what happens with the competitions that are below senior. And how they could mm. potentially be affected. So where do they fit into the schedule, particularly if you're taking away the leagues? Do you continue, say, outside the senior counties to still have a, a 2A and a 2B and Division 3 and still have the lower grade mm. competitions as a championship format? Do you keep them in the same system as now? Would some of the teams that are currently playing, say, in the second flight in the Joe McDonough, would they be entitled to play in the Leinster Championship? Like, say, if, I don't know, um, Leash and Offaly are both Sean McDonough at the moment and say Kildare are going well say if they haven't been promoted by right but decide that they want to take part in the Leinster Championship would they be allowed to do so in the opening provincial championship and then drop into a second competition when they're knocked out 
Like they'd be just the little quirks and yeah. things you'd have to work out, I think. Mm. And I think there's still plenty of merit in the in the graded competitions to keep them going. I still think they're really important. So I think if they can be incorporated within the system, I like the idea of the championship whereby we know that every year we're going to get different matchups and that we get yeah. to see Galway and Cork and we get to see Waterford against Kilkenny more often than we do now. I'm, I'm not against the idea at all. Mm. Yeah. All right. I think we're all out of my wadi at this stage, lads. So it's probably time to uh, call time on the pod for this week. Um, looking forward to the games this weekend and uh, looking forward to chatting to you guys next Monday as well. So, lads. Thanks, Thanks, you. Cheers, folks.